Nach Meyer and Rina Dubin for dedicating all the Shemir Joshua's this month in the Zhusav Rafushlima for their niece, Chava Sipora Bas Chaya Malka. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, she, together with Kol Cholais, will have a complete and enduring refuah. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Gabi and Shana Cohn, in commission of the Arzite of Gabi's grandfather, Mayor Axman. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham will have an aliyah and the family a Nechama. With that, let us begin a beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Pei Hei, 85. So let us pick up Emir Hashem. We are actually picking up on Pei Dalit Omid Bey's. 84b, and we we picked up at the two dots, uh, Gufa, which is 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 17 lines up from the bottom. So we're picking up actually with a statement from yesterday's daf, a really fascinating idea. So Gufa, Amrav Yehud Amrav, Lo Husaruk Sheros Lihinase Lepsulin. So Rav Yehud said the name of Rav, that Sheros, now Rav in this context, Sheros means Kohanos, Daughters of Kohanim, so women who themselves hail from Kohanic families, who are totally, legitimately, genealogically fit, there is no problem for them to marry genealogically blemished men. Now, what we're specifically talking about, we're not talking about like a mamzer, because remember, again, no one, no one is permitted to, not no one, but again, remember, general, general women can't marry a mamzer. Let's say a halal. So let's say a halal. Let's say you have a man who is the product of a forbidden Kohanic union, a Kohanes, a Bas Kohen, is permitted to go out and marry such a man. To which the Gemara says, let's bring a support to this from our Mishnah. The Mishnah brought down a case of a Chalal who married a Kshera. So my love, Kohanes, the Kshera, isn't the Kshera in question, talking about the Kohanes, a Bas Kohen, Umay Kshera, what does Kshera mean? Kshera Lekuhuna. It ultimately means a woman who's Kshera Lekuhuna, to which the Gemara says, Lo Yisraelis. No, not necessarily. could just be talking about a Yisraelis. Umay Kshera. I, so what does it mean when it says Kshera? Kshera Lekal. It means a person or a woman who is permitted to marry into the General Assembly of Klal Yisrael. Ihachi, if that's the case, then also when you find the parallel term on the male side, Ihachi, Yeshlo ach kosher. When you speak about the case where the right where the where the where the husband has an ach kosher, that's the case of a chalal who got married and he has an ach kosher. So does kosher also mean nami kosher lekal? Does that also mean that it's kosher lekal? Michlal duhu puzzle. That makes it sound like the husband in question is someone who is puzzle lekal el alav kohen. Rather, it has to mean ultimately kasha lekuna or or kohen himself. And from the fact that in this case, in that case, he's a Kohen, then the parallel case we're talking about the woman, she must be a Kohenes. To which the Gemara says, not necessarily, So again, remember, just to be clear, we're trying to prove a point here. Rabbi Huda said in the name of Rav, Kohanic women, right? What we call Kohenos, are permitted to marry men who don't have unblemished genealogy. Now, again, there's really only one case under consideration, which is the case of Chalal. Because remember, again, any other man, an Asin, a Mamzer, all of these other people have other restrictions. But we're trying to prove over here, so we'll say, essentially, what this means is that a Kohen and a Kohenes 
do not have the same halachas. Right? So if a man is a coin, then obviously he is limited in who he can marry. If a woman is a kohanes, a bas coin, she's not, she doesn't have the same limitations. We just tried to prove that, it didn't work out. Fine. Masif Rabban Baranachman, so Rabban Baranachman brings down the Pasik, so we'll say, Lo yikahu. So the Pasik over there, we're about is as follows. Isha zona bechalala, lo yikahu, talking about a Kohen. Kohen can't marry an Isha zona or a chalala, the Isha grusha me Isha lo yikahu. And a woman who's divorced, he also, lo yikahu, cannot marry. To which the Gemara says, lo yikahu, lo yikahu, why does it have to say it twice? Melamed Sha'isha Musheres Ayedea Ish. Both say, take a look at Rashi. Loikahu, Lamali Lemichtav Loikahu Trezimni. Why does it have to say Loikahu twice? Lahazira Isha Ayedea Ish. So I'll say, listen to this. Literally, it means to warn the woman about the man. Both say, this is fascinating. The Gemara is making the following suggestion. It says, Loikahu, they may not marry twice. One, is to tell a Kohen that he's not permitted to marry these women. And one is to tell a Kohenes that she is not permitted to marry forbidden men as well. To which the Gemara says, Rava says it teaches us, wherever the Kohen has a restriction, she's restricted. Wherever the Kohen doesn't have a restriction, she's not restricted. So we'll say, Again, according to this, what are we seeing? This is contradicting of you, name of Rav Yehud, name of Rav, wanted to say the restrictions that a Kohen has in marriage, a Kohenes doesn't have. Now the Gemara is suggesting from the two Loyikahus, that's not the case. And in fact, from the two Loyikahus, ultimately, again, one Loyikahu is for the Kohanim themselves, and one Loyikahu is for the Kohanos, is for the women. To which the Gemara says, one second, do we learn out the fact? Do we learn out the fact that a Kohenes has the same restrictions as a Kohen? From this phrase of lo yikahu, we learn that out. Midrad Yehudah Marav. Naf, Kedamrad Yehudah Marav. Rav Yehudah, says the name of Rav. V'chein tarad v'rav Yishmol. Ish o isha, ki yasu mikol chato sa'adam. So let's listen to this. The Pasuk says, Ish o isha, if a man or a woman will commit any of the chatos, right? Any of the averus. So what do you see from here? This is fascinating. This is, I just want to point out, just follow the names here. This is Rav Yehuda in the name of Rav. Rav Yehuda in the name of Rav said, when the Pasuk speaks about Averus, what does it say? Isha, Isha. What does that teach you? When it comes to prohibitions in the Torah, men and women are the same. Whatever prohibitions a man has, a woman has, whatever prohibitions a woman has, a man has, same prohibitions. So I will say, so I just want to point out, this would seemingly contradict what Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav beforehand. Because what did Rav right, how do we begin today's daf? Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, there is the marital restrictions that a Kohen has, a Kohenes doesn't have. So I will say, so remember again, j- just so you follow the progression. So we start out with that statement, right? Then the Gemara challenges that. How does the Gemara challenge it? From Lo Yikahu. It says Lo Yikahu twice. And what do we want to do with Lo Yikahu twice? Want to teach me who Kohanim can't marry, and also to apply the fact that women also, whoever a Kohen can't marry, a Kohanes can't marry. To which the Gemara says, I don't need that Limud. I have another Limud. Rav Yudin Neymar Rav says, Isha, Isha, Kiasimikol Chato, Sa'adam. Men and women are equal with Averus. 
To which the Umar says, no, 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 that's not a good raya. I'll tell you why. Imeahi, hava amin alav hashava bakol. See, I say, from that phrase of isho isha kiyasami kol chatos adam, I would assume that we're talking about an avera that applies equally to everyone. Right? So if you have an avera that applies equally to everyone, so ultimately, again, that's when men and women are equal. However, avalav she'enu shava bakol. I will say, I give you an example, like kashros, like kashros. You're not allowed to eat chazer. I will say, right, does that love apply equally? Apply equally? Yes. I will say, what's an example of a love that doesn't apply equally? Right? Kohanim. <laughs> Who Kohanim can marry? Because Kohanim have certain restrictions that the rest of the nation does not. So the Havamina was, if you're just learning out from the Pasek, that men and women have the same restrictions, I would have said true. In a situation, we're talking about a restriction that applies to all of Klal Yisrael. But a restriction that applies to some, but doesn't apply to others. Maybe men and women are not the same. What about Tumah? What about Tumah? Tumah is not the same halacha by everyone. So what does this mean? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, We'll say, for example, if I'm Israel, I'm Israel, and I decide, you know what? I've got a couple of hours uh, free today. I'm going to go become Tommy, right? I'm just going to roll around in a, in a Beisach Varas, right? We'll say, so the truth is, that's my business. Strange, but that's my business, right? I, there's no problem for me as Israel to become Tommy. A Kohen, a Kohen has a biblical prohibition against actively becoming Tommy. So we'll say, Tuma is a good example. Tuma is a love that's not Shavabakal. It doesn't apply to everyone equally. And I will say, interestingly enough, at the time of the Kas of Rahmana, and I will say, now remember, so based on what, let's just follow the progression. Based on what we just said, based on what we just said, I would have thought that the Pasak of Ish O Isha Kiyasimikal Khato Sa'adam tells me that a love that is Shavabakal, a love that applies to that applies equally to men at a love that applies to everyone, would also be applied equally to men and to women. But a love that doesn't apply to everyone is not automatically applied to women. So I will say Tumah is a good example. Tumah is a love that doesn't equally apply to everyone. Right? Yisraelim have one set of halachas, Kohanim have a different set of halachas. And yet, what does the Potoros? The time of the Kasev Rachmana B'nei Aaron. Yet, I will say, when it comes to Hadalachos of Tumah, the Torah says, B'nei Aaron. And what do we learn from that? Velo binos Aaron. So you need a Pasek to exclude women, right? You need a Pasek to teach you that Halacha that Halacha women are not subject to the same Halachos of Tumah. Now, I will say, Isa, what do you see from this? Halav Hachi, were it not for the fact that the Pasek excluded women, Hava Amina Nashim Chayavos. I would have thought ultimately that women are subject to the halachos of Tumah. Then I both say, at the end of the day, see, see that without an explicit, explicit exception, I would have included women, even though it's not a lav hashave bakol. My time, why is that so? Lav Mishum Rav Yehuda Marav. I both say that must be because of Rav Yehuda, the name of Rav, namely that halacha lamaisa. I'm not included. Lo digamrinan milo milo yikahu. So we're saying no, no, no. I would have learned it out from the pasuk of lo yikahu. The two lo yikahus, the two lo yikahus that teaches me that when it comes to the halachos of kahuna, women are equally subject. To which the gemara says, 
Others say that the kichalei kacho is necessary. Why? I would have thought otherwise to learn it out from Tuma. Kamashmala, no, that we don't make, we don't equate the women to the men when it comes to the kahuna. So I will say, so again, that, that, that stops this discussion over here. So I will say, bottom line, let, well, we're not finished yet, but let's, let's just talk about what we have up until this point in time. We have a statement of Rav Yehuda in the name of Rav, which tells me that what? That lo husaru ksheros li lipsulin. Kohanos, right? Bas Kohanim, women from Kohanic families, do not have a restriction as to who they can marry, which again really only applies to one person in particular, a halal. Whereas a Kohen cannot marry a halala, a Kohenes can marry a halal. That's Chevy Huda's name in the name of Rav. The Yamar challenged that. Rabbi will say, in the course of that challenge, a couple of other very interesting halachos come up. Namely, namely, that halacha lamaisa, that halacha lamaisa, who also is the name of Rav, Isha Isha Kiyasu Mikol Adam, teaches me that in the realm of Isser, in the realm of Isser, men and women are the same. So whatever is usher to a man is usher to a woman. But we qualify that to say that only applies with a love, Hashavah Bakol, a love that applies to everyone equally. But you can't necessarily apply that logic to our conversation. We're talking about a love that is not applied equally across the population. Good, let's go weiter. Rav Papa, Rav Hunabrit, Rav Yoshua, Listen to this. So Rav Papa, Rav Hunabrit, Rav Yoshua went to Hinsibu, the name of a place, which happened to be La Asra de Rav Idi Bar Avin. Ultimately, again, which was the city of Rav Idi Bar Avin. So, they asked Rav Idi Bar Avin an amazing kasha. So they asked him the Shaila, is a Kohanes, right? Is a Kohanes who is a Kshira, is she permitted or is she permitted to go ahead and marry Apostle or not? So they, they asked the Shaila, So Rav Papa said, Ultimately, again, we learn this. We learn this. So the Gemara Tinisua Asari Yuchsun Alumibavah. What's a very interesting brayso? Asari Yuchsun Alumibavah. I both said there are ten genealogical classes which came up from Bavel. Then I both say this is a reference to Ezra, right? This is when the Jews were returning back with Ezra from Bavel. Ten genealogical classes. Who are they? Listen to this. This is so just so fascinating. Kohanim, Leviim, Yisraelim. Okay, those we know. Chalalim. So also remember again, a chalal is the product of a forbidden Kohanic union. Gerim, converts. Charurim. Now I will say charurim are, are avadim kinanim who are emancipated. Right? Now remember again, they're also gerim, but they're like another subset of gerim. Mamzerim. Okay. Nisinim, who we've spoken about. Shtuki. You also remember again, who's the shtuki? That's the kid, that's the kid who when he asks his mother about his father, she says, shh, right? She silences him, right? Or he points out saying, hey, this is that my father? And she says, quiet. Asufi, Asufi Rebose means a child who was collected from the marketplace, an adopted child who does not know his paternity, right? Good. So we'll say those are the 10 genealogical classes. Now watch this. Kohanim Levim Yisraelim Mutarim Lavo Zebozeh. So we'll say when it comes to Kohanim Leviim Yisraelim, they're permitted to intermarry, right? No problem there. Leviim Yisraelim Chalalim, Gerim Charurim, Mutarim Lavo Zevazeh. 
Rabbah says similarly again, Leviim Yisraelim Chalalim Gerim Harurim. Again, Rabbah says Harurim are just emancipated slaves. They're they're Gerim. They're Gerim. Those classes, those groups, I shouldn't say classes, those groups are permitted to marry into each other as well. Gerei Harurei Umamziri Nesini Shtuki Vasufi Mutarim Lavozevozeh. And Rabbah says Mamzer Nesin Shtuki Asufi. They're permitted to marry. These groups are permitted to marry. So Rabbah says, what do you see from here? Viilu. Kohanos lokatani. They will say, what doesn't it say in this group? It doesn't say that a Kohanes is permitted to marry a Cholol. So it's pretty explicit. Pretty explicit that a Kohanes, Ibas Kohen, right? A Kshera, is not permitted to marry a Cholol. To which the Gemara says, I'm really No, no, no. It's not a good ride. I'll tell you why. dahani nas bimihani, vihani nas bimihani katoni. They will say, the way this price is structured, is when it gives per- permission for groups to marry into each other, it only, it only lists their permission if it works both ways. If the men from one group can marry the women from the other group, and the women from one group can marry the men of the other group. But if it only works in one direction, the Mishnah, the Brice, excuse me, doesn't say it. And therefore, again, Kohen, Kevan de'ilu bayle minsif chalala, asirale lo katani. It could very well be that a Kohenes could marry a Chalal. But remember, everyone agrees that what? A Kohen can't marry a Chalala. So because a Kohen can't marry a Chalala, the Brisa doesn't list the fact that, that Kohanim can marry into Chalalim, because the relationship doesn't work both ways. But it's possible, it's still possible, that a Kohenes could marry a Chalala. So Asulu Kamid Ravidi Barabin. They came before Ravidi Rav, so we'll say, this is grace. Remember again, this, this whole conversation, this whole conversation is taking place between Rav Papa and Rav Huna, Braid Rav Yoshua. They're, they're having this conversation in Hinsibu, which is the city of Rav Idi Bar Abin. So Rav Papa is going through this whole drasha. So Asla Kamid Rav Bar Abin, they bring this before Rav Idi Bar Abin. Amruluhu Dardiki, both listen to this. Rav Idi Bar Abin says, children, children, Hachi Am Rav Yehuda Marav. Rav Yehuda Marav said as follows, Lo husaru ksheros lipsulim. Right? Rav Yehuda said the name of Rav, there is no problem for ksheros, for, right, for a bas kohen to marry psulim. Rav Yehuda said, this is such a fascinating exchange. Because Rav Yehuda said, what is Rav Yehuda Bar Avin saying? Guys, stop it. Stop it, children. Stop it. This is the halacha. And now let's move on. So I will say, it's actually quite fascinating on, on a number of different levels. I will say, you know, this is also sometimes in life, you're engaged in a discussion with a person. And the truth is, you make the point, right? You're, you're having a particular discussion and you make your point. So I will say, at a certain point in time, either you accept the point or you don't accept the point, but you can't keep arguing it. This is an important yisod because sometimes in life we try to keep arguing to convince a person of our position. At a certain point in time, either you accept or you don't accept, but you can't, in life, you can't keep belaboring the same point over and over and over. Accept it, don't accept it, let's move on. It's an important yisod, I will say also like, sometimes in life there are things we don't understand, and we grapple with, sometimes in life also a person has to accept, I don't understand it, but I accept that this is the way that it is, let's move on. You see, sometimes people get caught up in dynamics, whether it's interpersonal, theological, 
and they just keep mulling over the same things over and over and over and over. Interpersonally, you know, sometimes again, I have a disagreement with someone and I'm hurt and I'm upset. Sometimes you just have to accept it and move forward. Sometimes theologically, there are things I don't understand how HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs his world or why he does his things. Accept it and simply move forward forward. That's a traffic. So here over here, you see Rafi Dibar Avin saying, guys, you've just spent the last Ahmed going through all of this. The halacha is like Rav Yehud's name of Rav, namely that Ksheros Kemari Psulas. And I both say, this is indeed how the Rambam Paskins as well. In Hilchos, in Hil- in Hilchos Isurei Bia, Perek Yotes Halacha Yud Aleph. Here, so Rambam says explicitly, Avala Kohenes Muteres Lehinasi Lechalal Uleger Ulemeshukhrar a Kohanas is permitted to marry a Chalal, a Ger, or an emancipated Evakinani. Why? Because again, Ksheros, right, Kohanos are not, pro, are not prohibited to marry Psulin Shneemar, Bnei Aaron, Velo Benos Aaron. Because when it comes to marital restrictions, it's Dafka stated as Bnei Aaron and not Benos Aaron. So it was like quite amazing. So whereas a Kohen has all of these marital restrictions, a Kohenes has none of them. Good. Let's go. So remember again, this is a fascinating, riveting sugya. And also we were bothered from this already in yesterday's daf. Remember again, what do we see in yesterday's daf? That if you are married, right, to a woman who is an Isidar Isa, she has what? She has a Ksuva. She has a Ksuva. Yet if you're married to a Shani, rabbinic erva, what? No ksuva. But it's like no ksuva, and none of the associated rights of ksuva as well. So let's go. So So b'nei biri asked from Sheshas as follows. Shnia lebal, v'lo shnia liyava. So we'll say if you have a situation of a woman who is a shnia rabbinic erva to the baal, but not a rabbinic erva to the yavam. So I will say the Mishnah Paskin, so she doesn't have a ksuva. She doesn't have a ksuva from her husband. But yeshla ksuvim yavam. So I will say, what about in this case if the husband dies, husband dies, and now she does yibum, does she get a ksuva from the yavam? But remember, we had this sugya before. So let's analyze. Kevan Dabramar, ksuva sa'al, nichsei bayla harishon, lesley. So I will say, do we say that look in general, ksuva, Ksuva goes against the property of the first husband, right? Of the now deceased husband. The we'll say in general, the Yavam does not have an obligation of Ksuva. So do we say that since Halakhalamaisa, generally the Ksuva, the Ksuva ultimately again is against the first husband's property. And therefore, Halakhalamaisa, since she has no Ksuva from her first husband, therefore what? She has no Ksuva from the Yavam. Oh, Dilmakeva the Ilu Lesla Mirishon Takinuli Isla. But say, remember again, we learned this halacha. Although normally the ksuva is from the first husband's estate, what happens if the first husband was totally poor, impoverished, and had no money to give her a ksuva? In that case, we instruct the yavam to give her a ksuva. So what about in this case, say, where as a result of the forbidden union with her first husband, there is no ksuva, would we instruct the yavam to give her a ksuva? So the Gemara says, Amar, Amar so we learned this, in general, a woman's ksuva goes against her first husband's property. So, but if she is a shnia, right, the rabbinic erva to her husband, ultimately she doesn't even have a ksuva from her yavam. 
the Islam Yavam, which makes it sound like there would be a case where potentially she would have a Ksuva from the Yavam. So the Gemara says, you're right. Chisri Mechsura, but Chisri Mechsura is always the best. It's like bonus material, right? Chisri Mechsura, there's a piece that's missing. There's a piece that's missing. Here we go. Vahachi Katani. Here is the halacha. Ksuva Salmichse Baila Harishon. In general, in general, a woman's ksuva is against her first husband. And what vi'ilesla mirishon, takinu lamisheni. However, I both say in a situation where, let's say, the first husband died and he's penniless. Penniless, we instruct the yavam to go ahead and provide her with a ksuva. However, I was saying, if her first marriage was prohibited, rabbinically prohibited, then in that case, we do not, as much as there's still a mitzvah of yibum, we would not obligate the yavam to go ahead and give her a ksuva. And I was saying, that is indeed halacha. So really, two, three halachas over here. Halacha number one, halacha number one, is that a woman's ksuva is levied against her first husband's estate in the case of yibum. Halacha number two, if her first husband died penniless, we instruct the Yavam to provide her with a ksuva. Halacha number three, if the first husband was a shni, was a sheni, was, right, was a rabbinic erva, right, rabbinic erva, rabbinically prohibited marriage, then ultimately, again, she has no ksuva from number one, and we don't instruct the Yavam to give her a ksuva as well. That's the halacha. Weiter. Rabbi Yochanan, Amar lekoin gadol, grusha vechalutz lekoin hediot, yesh lamazonos ha'in lamazonos. It was a fascinating case. Here is the shayla. It was saying, Amar marries a coin gadol, right? Or grusha vechalutz lekoin hediot. So a coin marries an illegal. Right? He marries an illegal woman. Right? So let's say the coin gadol marries an amana, marries a widow. So I was say, is he obligated to provide her with mazonos or not? Is he obligated to support her? To which the Gemara says, Hey, dami, I don't understand what's the case. So I don't stand. If they're living together, if they're living together, right, they're, they're married. So we want this coin to divorce his wife. So we're trying halakhically to get him to divorce her and you're going to give her support? Doesn't make any sense. I will say that seems to undermine any effort to force the dissolution of this marriage. No, no, we'll say, what's the case? Listen to this. The case over here is where he, husband, went overseas. He went overseas, and I will say what happened. He didn't leave her with any money, and he didn't leave her with any money. So what does she do? She takes out a loan in order to provide for her needs. Is he obligated to go out and pay back the loan? That's the Shailah. So the Gemara says, my, Mizoni tonight, Suvaninu, Umidi, Islaik, Suva, Islaik, Mizoni. So do we say, I will say that Mizonos is part of the function of Ksuva? And since I will say this woman does have a ksuva, she does have a ksuva, ultimately, again, therefore, he'd be obligated to pay back the loan. So the Gemara says, Isla Mizone Odilma Ksuva, Dilemishka Lamefik Isla, Mizone Dilma Te'akev Gabe Lesla. On the other hand, I will say, no, no, no. The reason we have a ksuva is because ksuva is a good way to encourage the dissolution of the marriage. Why? Because there's a payout. There's a payout. Mizonos will, it will encourage what? the continuity of the marriage. So maybe we don't want to give her mazonos. So Amrale Lesla. He said she has no mazonos. So it's a very interesting case. Even when a coin is married to an amana, illegal marriage, illegal marriage, she does have a ksuba, but no mazonos. And no mazonos in two forms. Number one, he's not obligated to actively sustain her. And if she takes out a loan to provide for her needs, he is not on the hook for that loan. Incredible. Ay v'hatanya yeshla. 
But also we have a brisa that says she does have mizonos. She does have mizonos. Kitanya hila achramisa. Oh, her said she does have mizonos. When does she have mizonos? After he dies. See, I say, one of the tonight ksuva, one of the conditions of the ksuva, is that if a woman is widowed, she receives support from the estate as long as what? As long as what? She doesn't remarry. So I will say, interestingly enough, halacha la if the Kohen dies, so the Amona continues to get Mazonos. So I will say, because in that case, in that case, we have no problem with her getting Mazonos. Why no problem with her getting Mazonos? Why no problem? Husband's dead. There's no longer an illegal marriage. So I will say, really fascinating. So halacha what we're saying is like this. Kohen Godel marries an Amona, illegal marriage. She has a Ksuva. She has, for reasons we'll discuss, she has a Ksuva. But no Mazonos. I, Bryce, says she does have Mazonos yeah, if he dies. If she's widowed and has not remarried, she continues to receive support from the estate in the form of Mazonos. So the Gemara says, Is the Amri, of alternate version of this, Amrle, Tanya, Yeshla. We have a Bryce that says that she gets Mazonos. I, how could that be? But he's obligated to divorce her. Why would you, why would you give her support? If ultimately, again, he's obligated to divorce her. What we'll say, just in the same, same idea, but just alternate version of this. When do we say that she has Mzonos? After he dies. So we'll say, listen to this. If a Kohen, Kohen Gadol marries an Almana, or Kohen Hediot marries a Grusha Vechalutza, what's Talacha? Number one, she has Ksuva. Number two, there is Peros, like we discussed. Number three, there is Mizonos, obligated to support. Number four, Blos, which obviously means in the event of divorce, he has to give her whatever is left over from the property that she brought into the marriage. Vihip Sula, Rebos says she's Puzzle, right? How is she Puzzle? What's her status now? What is she? She is a chalala. She's a chalala. Not only that, Vlad Apostle, her offspring are also chalala. It's a legal marriage. The Galvan Osalahotzi. And ultimately, we force the husband to divorce her. Well, so that's case number one. Case number two, Shniyos Midirei Sofrim. What happens if a man is married to a rabbinic erva? Ain la ksuva. She has no ksuva. Lo peros. Lo mazonos. Lo belaos. So we'll say no ksuva, no peros. No support, no belos, vihik sheira. I will say now again, this is only a rabbinic erva, therefore she is kasher, vlada kasher, her offspring is kasher, the kofin oso lahotzi. And we obligate him to go ahead and divorce her. So I will say, there is an obvious and glaring question over here. How could it be that in the case of biblically prohibited marriage, all of the rights are intact? There's ksuva. There's peros, there's mizonos, there's belos. And yet in rabbinic marriage, no ksuva, no ksuva, no mizonos, or no ksuva, no peros, no mizonos, no belos. What's going on over here? Here we go. What really focus on is ksuva, because really everything else stems from ksuva. So let's narrow this down a little bit. If you are in, a biblically prohibited marriage. You are a Kohen Gadol, you marry an Amana, you are obligated to give your wife a Ksuva, and all of the Ksuva rights, all the Ksuva rights are still there. Conversely, if you're married to a rabbinic erva, no Ksuva. What's the shot? What's the shot? 
Because in that case, where a Kohen Gadol is married to an Amana Bosai, what's the impact of the marriage? It's felt on both of them. Because remember again, she's Psula. Why is she a Psula? What is she? What is she? She's a Chalala. What about him? What about the Kohen Gadol? He's also a Pasal. As long as he's married to this woman, he is Pasal. He is Pasal. He can't do anything. The Chalmakom Shehu Pasal Vihi Psula. And about in any situation where they're both Pasal, Amadeis Kansu Oso Ksuva. Ultimately, again, they penalize him by keeping the ksuva intact. Now, I'll say, what does that mean? Take a look at Rashi. Tap Rashi Piyam and Beis. Kansu osa ksuva. Kolomar lo kansuha misha'ar nashim v'haide kansuhu rabbanam the shniyos. Actually, before I get this, I'll say, see, here's what's interesting. See, in a situation where they're both possible, I'll say, we know that it's only a matter of time until what? Until what? Until he divorces her. Because the Kohen is not going to want to live under a state of psul. Excuse me. So we'll say, thank you. So we'll say, so because they're both possible, because they're both impacted, it's, it's an unsustainable situation. So we know that he's going to divorce her. So I will say, because we know he's going to divorce her, Chazal did not feel there was any reason to levy an additional penalty upon her that she should not get a ksuba. So I'll say, so in other words, remember, what's our goal? I will say in all of these cases, what's our goal? We have one goal. What's the goal? Dissolution of the marriage. That's our goal. And whatever tools we need to use to force or to, to push the hand of, for, for a divorce, that's what we're going to do. In a case where they're both puzzle, we know that this is an unsustainable union because the coin is not going to want to live in a state of psul. So therefore, we don't need to deprive her of her ksuva in order to go ahead and, and force the dissolution of the marriage. On the other hand, so from inland ksuva. So I will say, what about by shnios? Yeah, by shnios again. There's no, there's no, there's no ksuva. Now I will say, now why is that? Because I will say, what's the impact when you marry a sheni? What's the impact when you marry a sheni? What's the impact? None, right? There's no personal impact. There's no offspring impact. And therefore, what? The yimar sevachal Kansu osaksuva. I will say, in a situation where there is no impact upon either of them, that's when Chazal removed the ksuva. Now go back to that tap Rashi. It's the Rashi Kansu osaksuva. Rashi says, now listen to this. He says, so I will say, listen to this. One, see, watch this. In the case of a Shnia, see, I will say, listen to this. So a man is married to a Shani, a man is married to a rabbinic erva. I will say, is there any good reason for them to go ahead and dissolve this marriage? Is there any good reason for them to get divorced? Think about it just a moment. Is there any good reason? No. After, again, leaving aside, I will say that it's wrong, right? Leaving aside that it's wrong. But I said, no good reason. Because after all, there's no impact upon him. There's no impact upon her. And there's no impact upon who? Offspring, offspring, everything is fine. So wherein lies the impetus to dissolve this rabbinically prohibited marriage? Ah, I'll tell you where. Chazal said no ksuva. That will say once there's no ksuva, that also means what? No ksuva associated rights. So no ksuva, no peros, no mizonos, no belows. 
if that's the case, the woman is not going to want to stay in a marriage like this. So say, it's not like we're trying to single-handedly penalize the woman. It's that this is the only way to force the divorce if essentially she has no financial rights. And really, he has no financial rights in her stuff either. At the end of the day, that is what is going to compel them to make, to make a divorce. So, say, so this is the position of... Shimon ben Alazar, wherein lies the distinction ultimately again between a biblically prohibited marriage and a rabbinically prohibited marriage? In a biblically prohibited marriage, there's a status issue. The Kohen becomes puzzle, the woman becomes a halala. Because they're both puzzle and the offspring is puzzle, that by itself is going to force the dissolution of the marriage. You don't have to penalize her by depriving her of the ksuva. In a case of Shani, rabbinically prohibited marriage, there's no status issue. Therefore, the only way to force the divorce is remove the ksuva. Rabbi Yom Rabbi says, halalu divrei Torah. So what it says is a simpler distinction. I will say, when we're talking about a biblically prohibited marriage, that's daraisa, the divrei Torah in Suyich and Chizik. I will say, people treat an iser daraisa with greater severity. Therefore, you don't have to penalize anymore. People will treat an iser daraisa severely. Halalu divrei sofrim, whereas sheni is only a dirabanon, and rabbinic law requires additional bolstering. So therefore, in a biblically prohibited marriage, you don't have to remove the ksuva. But in a rabbinically prohibited marriage, it needs additional chizuk, it needs additional teeth. And therefore, again, halach will remove the ksuva. Dover achr, I will say another possibility. Zehu, this is fascinating, another possibility is, Zehu margila, vizu hi margila so. I will say the other possibility is the following. In the case of an Ammana who marries the Kohen Gadol, Zeu Margila, he convinces her. And in the case of the Shnia, she convinces him. But let's say, take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Zehu Margila, Rashi says over here, Ammana the Kohen Gadol, Grushavachalitza the Kohen Hedyot, Hu Margila, Umasiso In the case of the Kohen marrying the Ammana, we assume that it's the Kohen who has to convince her. Why, Rabbi why does the Kohen have to convince her? Rabbi because this is not a good proposition for the woman. Why not? As much as it's great to be married to the Kohen Gadol, why is it not good for Rabbi She becomes a halala. Right? Remember again, as much as she's going to get a ksuva and all of her rights, she is, her status forever changes. As much as his status changes as well, his status only changes for how long? For how long? As long as he's married. Once he divorces, his status reverts back to what it was before. She and the kids are forever have a status change. So we assume in the case of the coin who marries the Ma'almana Grusha, ultimately, again, he has to convince her. Because he has to convince her, that's why there's a ksuva. Rashi says, As opposed to the case of the Shani, we in the case of the Shani, who is encouraging the marriage? She is convincing him. So because she's convincing him, ultimately, again, no ksuva. So we'll say in this version, the kind of the rights to the ksuva are dependent on who we assume is the initiator of the marriage. In the case of the Isra we assume it's the man who's the initiator since he has very little to lose. Therefore, the ksuva is intact. In the case of the Shemi, we assume it's she who is the initiator of the marriage, and therefore we remove the ksuva. Another possibility. Man katanila. So, so the Gemara says, "Davar Achar Man Katani La Ikad the Amar of Shimon Alazar Katani La." So, both say, "Who is the author of this last Davar Achar?" That it's dependent on who is the initiator of the marriage. The Gemara suggests perhaps this is a continuation of the statement of Rabbi Shimon Alazar. 
we're going back. Remember again, Rabbi Shimon Alazah said as follows, why is it that in the case of ultimately, again, he's puzzled, she's psula, they took away the ksuva. In the case of Shani, ultimately again, because he initiates. So the Gemara says, in, other words, in the case, I'm sorry, where it's in Isra Da'araisa, why is it that we force him to give her a ksuva? Because we assume that he is the initiator. And in the case of where they're both ksherim, i.e. a sheni, ultimately, again, why do we deprive her of the ksuva? So, so because she is the initiator, so we're linking this back with Rabbi Shimon Alazar. So remember again, Rabbi Shimon Alazar was the opinion who said that halacha lamaisa, well, the first opinion. So we're linking the davar acher with Rabbi Shimon ben Alazar. Seikid the Amr Abbas, an alternate version of this, Rabbi Katanila, maybe the Davar Achra is actually Rabbi, the Chalutza Kakashia. I, what about the case of Chalutza? What about the case of Chalutza? We'll say, look at Rashi just a moment. Ikid the Amr Rabbi Katanila, Shenasan Tan Ledvarov, Mipnei Shein Shaltan. So Abbas, Rabbi was the opinion who said that the distinction between the cases is an Isser Da'oraisa versus an Isser Da'rabanon. An Isser Da'oraisa doesn't require Chizik. And therefore, Allah Isa, keep the ksuva intact. And Isa Dirabanon does require ksuva, and therefore the prior of it. So others say that Dover Acher is Rebbe, and I, what about the case of Chalutza? Baha Chalutza Dirabanon, what about the case of Chalutza? Which is Shabbos say, for a coin to marry a Chalutza, that is quote unquote only in Isa Dirabanon, the Isla ksuva, and yet ultimately again she still has a ksuva. Hadar Amar Kaban the Pasalim Midrabanon, since ultimately again there's a Psalm Dirabanon, Zel Margila. So we'll say that's the case of Vizohi Margila. So we'll make the distinction ultimately again in terms of who is the initiator of the marriage. My Ika, Bain Rabbi Rabshem and Allah. So now we'll say again, we have two opinions, Rabbi and Rabshem and Allah. As to how to explain the distinction, why in the case of an Isra Da'arai said there is a Ksuva. Yet in the case of the Shani, there is not the Ksuva. So wherein lies the distinction between Rabbi and Rabbi Shimon Al-Azhar? Abraham Mamzeres Unasina Li Yisrael Ika Benayu. They both say the Nafkamin will be in the case of a Mamzeres or an Asina who marries Yisrael. Mind the Amr Da'araisa, Hanami Da'araisa. So both say if you hold it's just a Din in the Da'araisa. So Mamzer and Asina Li Yisrael is an Isra Da'araisa. Mind the Amnesha Hummar Girla. I will say the one who makes it as a distinction between who is the initiator of the marriage, ha he margalalei. These would both be cases where she would be initiating the marriage. So I will say, because again, remember, since she's the mamzeres, she's the nasina. Ultimately, again, she would be the one trying to convince the man to marry her. Ulu Rabbi Elazar da Amar Harize Eved Umamzer ha lo margalalei vlomidi. But according to Belazar, who says that the offspring ultimately again has the same status, she would not be the one who would initiate. A good enough communicator would be the case of Machsir Grusha, a case of a man who divorces his wife and then remarries her after she married someone else. I'll say that differently. Man divorces his wife, she remarries, then she divorces, now he remarries her again. Man the opinion that says that in Isra Da'araisa, this is also Isra Da'araisa. But the opinion that says that it's a distinction between who initiates the marriage, ha he margalalei. In the case of Machsir Grushasa, once again, she would be the initiator. 
But according to Rabbi Akiva, who holds that even with an Isr Lav, such a union creates Mamzerus, she would not be the initiator of this union because she would not want children who are Mamzerim. To which the Gemara says, Rapapa says it must be the case of a Ba'ula to the coin Gadol. Man da'amar da'araisa, hanami da'araisa, this will still be his da'araisa. Uman da'amnishu margila, ha hi margila lei. But I will say, the one who says about its initiation, he, she will be the one who initiates. Or the Rebbe of Yaakov, the Rebbe Yitzchol Mechabi, I say, halo margila lei. But according to the Rebbe Yaakov, who says that you can even have a halal from an assay, she would not initiate because she would not want her children ultimately again. I know my time is up, I know. Right? So I'll say ultimately again, just about 30 seconds. But ultimately again, according to the one who says that there is a halal from Chayve Yaseh, she would not initiate. The one who says, we must listen to this. You know what? We'll say, I'm going to get him. We'll try to get to him. We'll have to stop. We'll stop over here. But we'll say, so just to understand where we're stopping. Where we're stopping over here, we'll say, is we're focused on a single question, which is, halacha lemaisa, right? Why is it that in the case of a sheni, there is no ksuva, yet in the case of a, in the case of a daraisa, there is a, there is a ksuva. We have two opinions. We have Shimon ben Alazar. Shimon ben Alazar essentially says that halacha lemaisa, we're, what we want is dissolution of the marriage. So in the case, ultimately, again, of an Isra Daraisa, I don't need to deprive her of the Ksuva to go ahead and to go ahead and force the dissolution of the marriage. Why? Because Halakha said there's a status issue. In the case of a Dirabanan, because there's no status issue, I need to deprive her of the Ksuva in order to force the divorce. Rebbe says it's simpler. It's simpler. And again, I will say, in Rabshim and Allah, there's also, again, this idea, we look at who initiates the marriage. Whoever initiates, that's where we penalize. Rabbi says it's simpler. In a Doraisa, people treat Doraisa with severity. You don't need an extra layer of Chumrah. In a Dirabanan, people don't treat it with severity. You need an extra layer of Chumrah, i.e. the part of the Ksuva. Rabbi says, we'll finish the Sugya and do the Halacha Lama tomorrow. Shkoyach. Have a great day, Bennett.